is the Steelers Standard on Steelers Nation Radio and Podcast on Steelers.com. You know, in the whole craziness of the NFL draft, it kind of got lost in the shuffle that some pretty key fifth-year options for the Pittsburgh Steelers got picked up Mm. or didn't Mm. get picked up. Of course, the ones that you don't really have to spend much time on or debate is the Minka Fitzpatrick and the TJ Watt mm-hmm. getting both of their fifth-year options picked up. I don't think that the Steelers had to think too, too long and hard about those. But the interesting one and the one that we're going to lead this episode of Steelers Standard off with is the fact that they did not pick up the fifth-year option on Mr. Terrell Edmonds, Minka Fitzpatrick's partner at safety. And I know it's not that big of a deal. It's not like Terrell Edmonds will not be on the team next year in 2020, or excuse me, in 2021. But I think this is the first, you know, real signal from the Steelers that although Terrell Edmonds has been good and he's been a starting caliber safety in the NFL, the Steelers feel that he has not earned that extra year and not quite good enough and hasn't taken the steps necessary to you know, kind of build that bridge towards your second NFL contract with the same team that drafted you. Yeah, I mean, is there something to that? Probably. I mean, I don't know if you have to dig super deep into it. Um, You know, I mean, I guess Kevin Colbert did say, you know, that it was based on salary cap, not performance. Um, And he said, I mean, Kevin Colbert said we thought last year was his best year. Um, you know, so, I mean, take that for what it's worth, but at the same and time still picked up on TJ and Minka, so. right, well, you were going to do it on those two regardless. It's a little different. I know. Yeah. But still, but I mean, I, no, cap I, wasn't a problem there. I get your point. I, I understand that, you know, that, that Edmonds, we've said it so many times on the show that he's probably the weakest link on the defense. Um, you know, in next year, if you can find, you know, someone better or whatever. Um, but I don't know if it's really that big of a deal. It might just be, um, you know, a, kind of the Steelers just kind of like giving him more incentive and saying, look, you know, we might not re we might not bring you back next year, whatever it is, you know, um, you got to play better. And I think anybody who's watched Edmonds would say that he has to play better. I I think that's a foregone conclusion. You know, I think there is something to that, you know, that effect that the Steelers didn't pick it up. It wasn't, you know, something I'm not really shocked by it. I don't think any of us are really shocked by it, but at the same time, you know, I, I don't think, I don't know if it, it means the writing's on the wall for him. If, you know, if Kelvin Colbert comes out and says last year was his best year, whether you believe that or not, eh, okay. But if he has another good year next year, does that change the conversation? It might. I mean, this isn't the Terrell Edmonds fan club show we got going on here, but we're certainly not enemies or the biggest critics of Terrell Edmonds. We, we find his skills to be, you know, kind of placeable on this defense. And as Callan said, you know, we've seen him get better every year, and Kevin Colbert even said that this was his best year. However, that doesn't mean he's just as good as his, you know, his partner at the safety position in Minka Fitzpatrick, which is why Minka got picked up. But it's also it's no reason to believe that because this happened that Terrell Edmonds won't be a Steeler for the foreseeable future. I mean, this was just an option that the Steelers declined. Now it's possible that they create a new deal that's maybe not as much money as Terrell Evans would like to see, but it's definitely possible. I, I agree with Kellen. I don't think because this option wasn't picked up that that means necessarily that Terrell Evans won't be a Steeler. Do you think that he had his best season as a Pittsburgh Steeler, both of you guys? Uh, he had his most interceptions, but he had two, and they were both yeah. in the same exact game. 
Uh, yeah, that one, 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 one was a pretty good athletic play he made. The he one had that handed. one huge sack against Denver in the Denver game. That won the game pretty much. Sealed the game sealed on the a fourth down, yep. Uh, but that was his only tackle for a loss and his only quarterback hit as well. Uh, well, he's he had, not rushing the quarterback no, that's that true. often. 68 combined tackles, 46 solo. Uh, I mean, it just seems average. Eight passes defended, so nothing too, too crazy as far as that's concerned. Uh says he played in 15 games since it started in six in 12 games, but I feel like he started in a lot more than – I think he started in every game he, he ended up playing in. Yeah. yeah, it just yeah. seems to be a pro football reference error there as far as how they calculate that. But So he missed really just one game on the season last year. So I will say the one thing that is a lock when it comes to Terrell Edmonds is he is available. His availability right. is his best ability without a doubt. 16 games played yep. his rookie season – 16 games played in the 2019 season and then another 15 games played last year so he's only missed one game so far in his entire career right. and you know that's something that you have to put a lot of stock into but it's not the end-all be-all either no it's not the end-all be-all I mean we, we've talked about it so many times his rookie year he played like 98th percentile of snaps you know what I mean there's not a lot of guys that can do that and he has been available and he hasn't missed a lot of time that's something you know there, there's something for that and, and again he hasn't been awful um but I mean, you're right, Tom, that he has been definitely been available to the Steelers. And that's something that, you know, is a resource that, you know, a lot of guys, i.e. James Conner, you know, ha I know it's a different position, but that, that he hasn't been able to provide. And, you know, that could help him. You know, he plays all 16 again this year. He's fine. He's been the same player that he has been. You know, maybe he's a step above where he was the last couple of years, not saying he's going to be an all pro or a pro bowler. But if he takes a step in the right direction and the Steelers look at him, say, you know what? You know, maybe we'll bring you back next year. I mean, I think yeah. I, I think that's a big uh, that's something big that comes into it too. Is you know, can you stay healthy again? And by the way, while staying healthy, can you get better than where you're at right now? I don't know if Terrell Edmonds will be better than where he is now. I think he's a he's a fine NFL safety. He's a starting caliber NFL safety, but there's nothing he, that he does that absolutely wows you. You, you know, um, and and there's you know he can I'm sure that he'll find a home regardless of what's if, whether it's with the Steelers next year or not, someone's oh, going to yeah, use a safety. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, He's yeah, an NFL yeah, player. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's no, no question. Yeah, there's no way he wouldn't end up in the NFL longer than five years. Right. Yeah, but at the same yeah. time, you know, if the Steelers think that they can find somebody else or if they need, you know, more splash at that position, whatever, you know, then maybe it could spell the end of his Steeler career. But, I mean, you know, we're talking about a guy that's definitely going to be a pro in the next, you know, three, four, five years. Right. And it's just about will the Steelers be, and I hate to say this because I feel like it's a little critical of a term, even though in itself its nature isn't too critical, are the Steelers going to be complacent with the level of play that they get out of Terrell Evans, right? We've we've said that, yes, he has increased his, his, um, his presence of play and his, his ability to be a playmaker, but... In reality, you know, when you start off so low, you can only if you're only getting a little bit better each year, you're, you're not really getting that much better overall. So it's it's a question of that. Will the Steelers be okay with just having kind of a, that guy at that position? I mean, they obviously have what I would say the number one or number two guy at that position, and Minka Fitzpatrick maybe the only one you could argue against is Jamal Adams in Seattle. But in terms of being complacent. Will the Steelers just say we have Minka? You know, it, it it's hard to to want too much of a good thing and say, well, we need to make sure that the guy opposite Minka is just as good, which is a lot to ask for of Terrell Edmonds, or it would be a lot to ask for of any NFL safety. So, again, 
complacency isn't in its in its nature a a harsh word, but when you use it in this context of will the Steelers be complacent with the level of play that you get at Terrell Edmonds, it's kind of saying, well, this is what you got. Are how okay with you are how okay with it are you moving forward? Yeah, exactly. Terrell Edmonds, I think one area that he could definitely improve upon isn't necessarily the interceptions because I think that that's something just that Minka making has plays down. on the ball. I think right. even. I think it's the main thing is to just be a more sure tackler mm-hmm. and to just really be that safety valve, for lack of a better term, and make sure that you don't have guys breaking things to the house for big time touchdowns against you. You know, Minka's going to be freelancing and doing his thing, so there's obviously going to be times where he makes a mistake and leaves you vulnerable on the back end. Right. I think the one thing they're looking out for Terrell Edmonds is to just be a guy that can shut down those mistakes with limiting with a limited amount of damage. And he definitely has the speed to do that. I mean, one of the things that was the Steelers were so high on when he came out of college was just his athletic nature. Um mm-hmm. super fast, but also six foot one and two hundred and seventeen pounds. So he carries around a lot of weight with that speed. Uh and I just think that the one thing that they're looking at with Terrell Edmonds doesn't necessarily show up in the stat sheet as far as, you know, what would really get them to extend him beyond just his rookie contract. Right. And, and, and we'll see what happens. You know, I mean, like we keep saying, he, I think he, we've illustrated this, that he lacks the ball skills. And that's something that is really, I don't want to say frustrating because maybe that's just not the player that, that he is. And I've made this point a handful of times on the show you know, I, I think this year is huge for Terrell Edmonds, and I think even more so now that we find out the Steelers haven't picked up his fifth-year option. But I think it's huge for him to to prove what type of safety that he is. You know, um, I we've seen flashes of him being the guy that allows the catch but then tackles the guy immediately, and there's something for that in this league. And then, you know, he's shown flashes where he makes plays on the ball, but he doesn't do that all that often. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's important for him to show – which guy that he is, you know, and be more of a secure tackler because, you know, I said he's been the guy that's, you know, allowed the catch and then tackled the guy, but there's also been stretches, especially last year, you know, down the down the back end of the year. Where he couldn't even make the tackle yeah, after could, allowing he, the pass right. to be completed. He couldn't make the tackle, and oh, by the way, he didn't make many plays on the ball. I mean, he only had two interceptions, and I know there's more to playing that position than, than making plays on the ball, but at the same time, when you only have, what, three in your four-year career – and you're playing safety and, you know, and, and Minka Fitzpatrick has been there for, you know, two years and they're kind of throwing the ball that way. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't exactly add up to, you know, great success for Edmonds, but if he can carve out that niche and prove what type of safety he is, all of a sudden, maybe the conversation is different, but yeah, you know, as you said, Tom, this, I think this year coming up is really, really big. Yeah. I mean, how could it not be? And I think that's what the Steelers are trying to illustrate. Yeah, they're trying to get out of it. Yeah, they're trying to motivate him through, you know, the contract. Uh, In the 2018 NFL draft, the Pittsburgh Steelers picked Terrell Edmonds with the 28th overall pick in the first round. The Miami Dolphins picked Minka Fitzpatrick with the 11th pick in the first round. And little did we know then that that would be the safety tandem for the foreseeable future for the Pittsburgh Steelers. And again, I think it still will be the safety tandem for the foreseeable future for the Steelers because... You know, I, I think Edmonds is a guy that's just a little bit of a slower developer. I, I yeah. think that Colbert is 100% fair. correct when he said that he probably had his best season as a pro last year. 
Um, yeah. I, I think that, you know, we might see a little bit of Bud Dupree out of Terrell Edmonds, where he really starts to hit his stride as he gets towards his mid-20s. Yeah. He's 24 years old now. As he starts getting 25, 26, maybe that's when he will start to hit his prime and be the perfect complement to Minka Fitzpatrick, who has pretty much already realized his prime and is just <laughs> ascending in that right. prime now, two-time All-Pro. Uh, been an All-Pro both times he's been on the Pittsburgh Steelers within the two seasons he's played. But, you know, that's just the difference, I think, though, with you, you got a guy in Minka who has f- forced the Steelers' hand. I mean, oh, absolutely. you want right. to pick up that option because if you don't pick up that option and he you know, potentially walks or you have to renegotiate a contract, that's going to be a more expensive player than Terrell Edmonds. So, you know, money-saving-wise, it's just smart to get ahead of that and pick up Minka Fitzpatrick right. in 2022, his fifth-year option. Um, but also, you know, Minka, like I said, forces the hand by having played so incredibly well, being on it to being an all-pro two times, I mean, you're automatically going to get that fifth-year option picked up when you play that way. Right. Terrell Edmonds just hasn't forced the hand. Yeah. Right. I mean, and, and I think that's obvious. Edmonds, you know, like we keep talking about, you know, he has to kind of prove it, and I think Minka has, as you illustrated, being a two-time all-pro, back-to-back all-pro, he's, you know, he's By far and away, well I mean, it. yeah, yeah. He, he is the top two, if not the top one safety in the league. And, you know, like I said t- – Tom kind of alluded to it too in a, in, a, in a different roundabout way than I did. It was just, you know, this Terrell Edmonds hasn't done anything to kind of show the Steelers that either A, they need to make a move, or B, they need, in, in terms of re signing him or picking up that option, or B, kind of saying, okay, well, we've seen enough and we know there's no really room for progress here. We don't really believe that this kid can improve his play. So we're not even going to not just pick up the option. We're just going to tell you right now this is your last year with the team. And they didn't do either of that, right? Because they didn't see enough of Terrell Edmonds from one direction or the other. So uh, going back to Kellen's point is this should not be a a harbinger uh, to say that Terrell Edmonds will no longer be a stealer in the future. It's possible, but there's just no certainty with it. Now, I said at the beginning of the episode, and I realized my dumb mistake, that they picked up T.J. Watt's fifth-year option as well. That was something they did last year. 2021 will be the fifth year for T.J. Watt. I looked a little bit ahead of my notes. I wanted to talk about, do you Mm. think it was the smart thing to do cap-wise to have this fifth-year option, or do you think you try to extend that you know goodwill card and say, T.J., I know Big Ben is still here, so I guess he's technically the face of the franchise, but there's just no question who's getting handed that baton after Ben retires as the face of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Let's work out a long-term deal before we even get to this fifth-year option and, you know, have some great faith as a basis between us and you and in in your second contract in the NFL and your second contract with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Now, obviously, I know that that did not happen, and they right. exercised the option, and that's what they're rolling with in 2021. But I don't know. Part of me, just in exploring a hypothetical, because it's the week after the draft, and now <laughs> we have to figure out what we're going to talk about right. until they start, you know, their optional workouts and mini camps and rookie mini camps. But... You know, hypothetically, it might have just been nice to to been able to extend him that security blanket because I think T.J. Watt's unquestionably a guy that will stay motivated no matter what the money looks like. Some guys get that security long-term second deal, and they kind of get complacent. I mean, the most famous one that comes to my mind is Albert Hainsworth. I mean, <laughs> it just happens around the league, and not just the NFL. In all leagues, it just happens. Yeah. People make their nut, and they decide that they're done playing as hard as they were before when they were trying to earn that contract. Watt is absolutely not that. So I think you can give him that vote of confidence with that security of a contract, and he might even just play harder for you because of that faith that you have in him. Um, 
So I, I think it would have been really nice to do that. I, I just, I, of course, coming back to reality a little bit, the way that the cap was working against the Steelers this year, the way that COVID worked against the cap for the rest of the league might just not have been in the cards. And, and you know, maybe you bring TJ in and you say, hey, we would have extended you if the cap had gone up in a normal way. Uh, if this had been a normal season in 2020, uh, if we maybe weren't in such cap jail, if we didn't have so many other needs that we want to try to bring back, mm-hmm. uh, we would have done it, but we just can't right now. And maybe that's the the way they operate. Maybe it's not. Maybe they just pick up the option. But uh, to make a long story short, I think it would have been very nice to do it, but it's yeah. just they were stuck between a rock and a hard place. Right. It. And I think the the cap, and as you mentioned with COVID and everything, that kind of played into it. Maybe that was the reason why. But at the same time, I think it was the right way to, you know, just pick up the fifth-year option. And then after this year, you know, obviously your intention is to, I mean, I think priority number one is going, I mean, as we all can assume, priority number one is going to be bringing TJ Watt back and extending, or not extending, but signing him long-term to to bring him back long-term. Just like every year when Ben was up for a contract, priority number one was bringing Ben back. This is is just a different guy who has taken up that role and is just as as important yeah I, I mean hell it might even be more important now that the face of the franchise right. is gone and he might be your new face of the franchise i think he you know he is going to be the new face of the franchise but uh, yeah i mean i think that you know you this was the only this is probably the only way that they could make that work you know with everything going on i know they were stricken for money they probably knew going into last off season that hey we're you know if, if Ben comes back and plays next year, we're probably not going to have the most money in the world. How are we going to bring TJ back? You know, uh, I think that was probably something that went through the Steelers front office's mind is, you know, we're going to be in a, a pretty tough place if we sign TJ now. So I think they put it off. And, and I don't think TJ is the type of guy to take that the wrong way or take it to heart. No, I don't think he is. Either. So that's a big plus. You know, I, I mean, I think, as you said, Tom, next year he gets paid and all of a sudden he's still the same freak that we've seen for the last you know, five yeah, years. Yeah, no question. I don't see any way, shape, or form that he would let up. No, right. I mean, you see the fire he comes out of every week, you know, coming out of the tunnel in Pittsburgh, especially with the high kick. After every sack, he's doing that high kick. You just don't lose that spark just because you got a little more money in your pocket. I want to end uh, this episode looking at the secondary and how, you know, they just made sure that they had their safety in Minka Fitzpatrick through 2022, and we'll see how Edmonds pans out till then. So they got that part of it worked out. But I want to talk about the corners, uh, something that I think they might have overlooked in this draft. But before we get to that, just to kind of put a bow on fifth-year option talk, uh, guys coming up in the near future from the 2019 class who are entering their third season in the NFL now will enter their fourth season in 2022. So in the 2021-22 offseason will be the time to take a look at these fifth-year options. The two that really jump out at you are Devin Bush, mm-hmm. their first-round pick in 2019, and their third-round pick, early third-round pick, Deontay Johnson, the wide receiver. I think those are two guys that are no-brainers, slam dunks, that you got to extend them. Uh, other guys in this class include Justin Lane, Zach Gentry, and Benny Snell Jr. Those ones aren't Those are the guys sure. that still <laughs> definitely need to earn that yeah. fifth-year option. But I think... It's pretty safe to say Devin Bush is a no-brainer with his injury history. You don't want to commit a long-term contract to that. And Deontay Johnson, I mean, why pay a receiver until you absolutely have to? So I would have just – I would pick both of those up in the offseason, and I don't expect the Steelers – unless Bush has some big-time injury problems again, I don't expect the Steelers to wait very long on those Mm -hmm. two guys. No, I mean, those are two guys that – 
you're expecting to kind of be your future, your future, your foundation, your core of the next three, four, five years, hopefully longer. But, you know, I'm thinking more in like five year windows, I guess. But, yeah, those are the guys that you're hoping that are going to be your stalwarts, your guys that you're going to have day in, day out, year in, year out. So, yeah, I mean, I don't think it's going to take you know, a whole lot of conversing and discussing. I think that's pretty much, as you said, Tom, that's about as no-brainer as it gets once you get to that point. Yeah, and it makes total sense, too, for Deontay, considering Juju will probably be gone after this year. You know, you want to see what you get out of Deontay minus Juju, right? Like, we saw what we got out of Juju minus Antonio Brown. Hopefully you don't have that same problem with Deontay Johnson. Hopefully he's a guy that can actually step up and be the number one guy despite playing on a team for the first couple of years of his career as a number two slash number one option. He wasn't, no one was ever designated number one uh, last year. And certainly this year that shouldn't change either um, unless someone actually breaks out. But yeah, you want to make sure that you have someone on the roster because it, I mean, Chase Claypool will still be around. It's up in the air, whether or not James Washington will be there, but you want to make sure someone's there. And Deontay Johnson, as, as Kellen said, is a guy that can be the foundation for that wide receiver room. He's a great leader. We see him always practicing. We we know he does well under criticism. Uh, of course, the drop store, the drop passes was a big narrative last year, and we saw him always trying to to improve upon that. Never we we never saw him in some off field distractions such as up the other wide receivers. So yeah, it's definitely a guy you want to keep around. Now, looking at the secondary in the corner position, they let Steve Nelson walk. So as it stands right now, it's Cam Sutton and uh, Joe Hayden as your two starters on the outside. Potentially Cam Sutton bumps on the inside whenever they go nickel, meaning a Justin Lane or a Pierre, James Pierre, correct? Yeah, James, yeah. Pierre, James Pierre would have to slide into that other <laughs> outside spot. I always want to say Juan Pierre, just the famous baseball, baseball player. Oh, yeah. I mean, Juan Pierre is just ingrained in my mind, but James Pierre would probably slide in there or... Like I said, Justin Lane, they did pick a corner, quote unquote, with the number 245 pick in the seventh round, Trey Norwood. Uh, but I have heard since then that he probably is going to make the switch to safety in the NFL. Yeah. Um, so they really did not address that cornerback room in this draft. And, you know, that was the one thing. And it kind of gets lost in the shuffle because they really killed every single need they had. They got two linebackers. They got a tight end, a running back, a guard and a tackle. They even got a punter, which was a need, but yeah, something right. that's always at the very bottom of your list, even when it is a need. But, you know, corner was something that, you know, we mocked several times, a guy right. in the third round, a guy in the fourth round. You take your corner here. Uh, a first defensive player off the board for our mock drafts most times were a cornerback, if not a big linebacker falling to our pick. But Steelers didn't see it that way. They waited until their second pick in the fourth round to go defense for the first time, and they picked a linebacker. And they followed that up with another linebacker. So, mm -hmm. like, clearly, is that a signal that either, A, they didn't like the depth at cornerback in this class and they thought once they got towards that second pick in the fourth round, fifth, sixth round, whatever, just didn't like who was there? Or are they more comfortable with their secondary, their corners, than a lot of us are who we, speak into yeah, microphones? we are, yeah. I mean, I think that's... I think it's B. I think it's B. And, I mean, look, if it ends up panning out and they end up working out, good for the Steelers for knowing that and believing in the guys that they got. I mean, because that sort of thing does happen. You know what I mean? Like, it's it's not it's not crazy to think that it could work out. At this point, though, it, it just doesn't seem like it's a slam dunk. It just doesn't seem like it's a, you know it's going to happen for sure. 
that the cornerbacks are going to pan out. Now, granted, if they do, that's why Kevin Colbert's one of the best and why the Steelers, you know, that's why they do what they do year in and year out. But as it sits right now for us, I know that we, us three are all on the same page. I know a lot of people are. They don't see this cornerback room being, you know, all that great. But again, uh, that could all be, you know, drastically different here in the in what three, four, five months. Mm-hmm. And I think it, you know, there's no reason to believe it. It's anything other than the second point that Tom made that the the cornerback death at at the time that the Steelers were ready to address cornerback in the draft just wasn't worth the pick. And I can believe that because I have faith in Kevin Colbert. Kevin Colbert was able to go out and get a guy like Najee Harris, someone they were targeting for basically the entire offseason and were able to identify that their biggest you know, Achilles heel was their lack of rush game and they didn't try to play it safe by just addressing the O-line as so many other teams would have. They actually went out and got their guy. Luckily, they got the number one guy. And then he made a good pick. I think what we've all agreed was a good pick in taking Pat Fryermuth to kind of extend the offensive weapons for Ben Roethlisberger in a, in a win-now mentality. And then, of course, none of us... Uh, have anything bad to say about Kendrick Green, who is my favorite player in the draft. <laughs> Tom's favorite player in the draft, and just another guy that seems to be kind of a Kevin Dotson 2.0, a diamond in the rough that only Kevin Colbert really thought that was worth taking in the third round, and it, it appears so that he's a great fit so far. So I have no reason to to believe that Kevin Colbert, you know, just fully neglected the cornerback room. Right? He thought like okay, we got rid of Mike Hilton, or we had to part ways with Mike Hilton, we had to part ways with Steve Nelson. I'm just going to be complacent here as I used, return to a word I used earlier and say, screw it, you know, there's nothing else I can do to it. I don't think he did that at all. I think he said, I can help myself uh, to a greater effect at other positions, or I can just bolster up this position with some guys that just won't even make the team, I believe. So I have to believe, I have to have faith in Kevin Colbert because he's not that type of GM to just kind of like plug and play. Well, I think also what, what is a contributor to this is he looks, you know, you weren't going to take a corner until at the very, very earliest, the third round. Probably. Or f- yeah, maybe even fourth. Maybe not even third, maybe yeah. the fourth round. So I think he gets to that point and he's like, okay. I'm picking a corner here in the third or fourth round. Is this guy really going to push Lane or Pierre right. as far as that guy that steps in? And then I'd be sitting there and I'd be thinking, and Justin Lane is a third-round pick of mine in 2019. Right. So, like, what are we doing here? Why would I just pick a fresh rookie who's a mid-round pick? Those guys barely ever get the chance to start. I mean, I know we're banking on a guy like Kendrick Green to come in. Yeah, and play it's a little minutes, different, but those guys, yeah. And – it's a big risk when you want to draft a guy and have him be the plan at that nickel outside corner when Sutton bumps on the inside. You know, I just think Colbert's sitting in his chair and he's saying to himself, why would I do that and bet on a rookie who's an unknown when I could just bet on two guys that I've had in my facility for a year, a couple years now, and I'll bet on them to take that next step. They've been in our system. They're they're familiar. They they know how to be NFL players. They don't yeah. need to be broken in that way. And, and I just think that you know, when you had so many other needs and you kind of get to that third fourth round with the corners, I, I think that that is a thought process Kevin Colbert probably had. And if he did, it's one that I absolutely agree with him on. Is is yeah. why not take the bet on guys that you're familiar with who are still young, by the way. It's not like we're saying you're betting on a 35-year-old man who's been hanging around the facility forever and just never could start. Like, There are two very young players here still in Pierre right. and Lane. So 
I think it makes all the sense in the world to just push your chips in the middle of the table on them, guys you're comfortable with, guys you're familiar with, and hope that they make that next step rather than bring in some new guy from wherever, Ohio State, and hopefully he can pan out and be a starter-esque in his first season. And I, I agree. And I think that's a, a, a good way of putting it. And if that's what went through Colbert's head, you know, you can't be mad at that. And, and you know, you could say what you want about the cornerback room. I don't think it's going to be really good. But at the same time, there were so many more glaring needs. And look, as you said, you have two guys that are young. You have two guys that you wasted some. Well, I guess Pierre was an undrafted free agent. But Lane, you know, he was a third-round pick. You know, you used some capital there. And you've had him and you obviously believed in him at, at that point. And he hasn't had a chance to really show what he's got yet. I know, you know, all the stuff off the field, whatever. That's, you know, water under the bridge. But now, you know, get, at least give him a chance to prove what he has. And if, you know, it's a disaster, then okay, we, we were wrong here. We, we address it next year. Mm-hmm. On the next episode of Steelers Standard, we bring back an old friend and dust off the wheel of a thousand questions. So we'll give it a spin. It'll spit out some questions towards us about the NFL and maybe some Steelers questions as well. And we will be forced to all three of us give our answers to whatever the wheel deems us to answer. That's on the next episode of Steelers Standard. You can check out all of our episodes at Steelers.com or Apple, Spotify. Download and subscribe to Steelers Standard there. For Jacob Brecht and Kellen Gersky. I am Tom Opperman, and we will talk to you on our next episode. Thanks as always.